Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always sometimes sort of kind of up to speed with Formula One. It is Thursday, October 18th, 2023. My name is Mark Daly, flying solo here in the Scuderia F1 studios. Uh, Mr. Mark Hamilton is off tonight and we continue this streak where you get one mark, but not both marks. But Hammy will be back on Sunday night. We'll sit down together to finally do our first show together in what, almost a month now? And I'm kind of joking off the top of the, the, the show here that we're sometimes up to speed with Formula One because I've been away for a couple of weeks for, for work on a course. And even though I wasn't off the grid, they were very, very long days and the nights were long kind of doing coursework and things like that. So I've only been really kind of trying to catch up with what, what had happened in Formula One over the past uh, couple of days since I came back. I knew what happened in Qatar last weekend, but I didn't uh, get a chance to sit down and actually watch the race until the other night. And that is the first time that I've missed a Grand Prix on the day of literally since I don't know when. It's been a very, very, very long time, but I'm glad to be back. And, uh, you know, big shout out to Hammy for all the fantastic work that he's done keeping this thing going while I've been away. And I certainly look forward to him coming back on the weekend and, and doing what we do together as we inch ever closer to episode 500. Isn't that crazy? I was thinking about it when I was looking at the catalog a little bit uh, earlier this week and I noticed that, uh, what are we, like 480 something now? I'll figure it out and post all good. Anyways, I uh, realized that uh, the, the big 500th episode is coming up uh, you know, really, really fast. And I was thinking that when, when Mark and I started collaborating, working together on this podcast way back in, I guess it would have been the end of 2020. So we've been, yeah, almost three years to the day now, which is uh really kind of a, a bit of a wake-up call. <laughs> I didn't realize it had been that, that long until uh, the, the words uh, came out of my mouth. But um, I, I think at the time there was something like about 100, I did 150, 80, something like that episodes by myself or with another host I used to do the show with. But uh, since then, you know, Mark and I have probably done over 300 episodes uh, together, but you know, we're putting out shows at least twice a week. And uh, well, that adds up uh, quickly. Anyways, before we uh, jump into the news for this week. Just want to give a, a shout out to, to the usuals, the people that help keep the lights on here. Just a, a quick shout out to, to uh, Magnus and the crew over the raceweekendmagazine.com. And you can uh, enter in our promo code at checkout to save 10% on a subscription. And that is the race weekend, R A C E W K N D.com. Also, big shout out and uh, big thanks to racingexclusives.com for one of a kind, unique Formula One merch with a C. OA certificate of authenticity. Head on over to racingexclusive.com to find Formula One mementos, souvenirs, and other things that you won't find anywhere else. And uh, they are the, the ones that have provided us with this gorgeous half scale autographed Max Verstappen helmet that we will be giving away. Well, just in a matter of weeks now, because we're at the end of the season is rapidly approaching, and that will go to the winner of our fantasy league. And speaking of which, this is usually Mark's thing, but uh, since uh, Hammy is away today, I am going to do the fantasy update. So in first place, we have Michael Cronier, 16, with 5,272 points. Matt Noob, Team 3, in second, with 5,233 points. Axis Simon, third, with 5,230. And the 
you have Vince Des 2 with 5,211 points. And then Matt Noob Team 2 in fifth place with 5,196 points. So Matt Noob, two teams in the top five. So going on down the rest of the top 10, we have uh, Relampago Marquinhos with 5,190. Bengals Bubs, who has been in the top 10 for ages and ages and ages. Bengals Bubs has 5,188. Zanetta Team 3, Yellow Racing, and then also last place is not in last place, but in 10th place. And uh, they're rounding out our top 10 in fantasy with 5,168 points. So there you go. And then just uh, heading on over to the championship uh, update. What with Max winning the sprint race and the Grand Prix last weekend, the championships are now wrapped up. uh, Well, obviously for both the drivers and the constructors uh, championship, but let's uh, just uh, go over that uh, real quickly nonetheless. So Max, uh, first place in the championship, uh, is crowned the the world champion of third season running. Max, 433 points. Sergio Perez is teammate at Red Bull, 224 you have Lewis Hamilton from Mercedes, 194 point. Fernando Alonso, 183 points. Carlos Sainz rounds out the top five, and the Ferrari driver has 153. Going on down the, the rest of the top 10 in the Drivers' Championship, you have Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell, Oscar Piastri, and Lance Stroll rounding out the top 10. And over on the constructor side, which was wrapped up uh, by Red Bull a couple of uh, weeks ago now, they have 657 points. Mercedes is second with 326. Ferrari is third with 298. Uh, Aston Martin is fourth with 230 points and McLaren now only 11 points behind Aston Martin in the constructors with 219 points and what a magnificent a turnaround that we've seen um, from McLaren this uh, this season. Absolutely astonishing, uh, though, the way that they've turned this around and where they were, where they've uh, come from and to where they are now and to be well, obviously considered Alcerans at the beginning of the year to a very, very good team. And they've been uh, one of the bright spots. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Aston Martin started off the season being that uh, that ray of light that may be able to challenge Red Bull. And they've uh, faded as the, the season has uh, progressed and gone on. And uh, once they started to fade away, it seemed like a McLaren started to come on. And they've certainly done some wonderful things. So uh, looking forward to watching what uh, they do for the remainder of the season. So just another uh, reminder, just four weeks until the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix. And that means that is going to be our Las Vegas Grand Prix watch party. So this is uh, going to be hosted by myself and Mr. Mark Hamilton at his lovely palatial abode here in Coquitlam, BC, which is a suburb of Vancouver. If you want to get in on that, uh, send us an email, scooteryf1pod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Twitter or X or whatever the heck they're calling it right now and uh, let us know. And of course, uh, you know, it's free to attend, but we would appreciate anyone that uh, shows up to to make a donation to the Canadian Mental Health Association. So another interesting little tidbit here, this weekend is Charles Leclerc's 100th race for Ferrari. He's been with the team since 2019. That is absolutely astonishing that he's racked up that many starts, that many races for Ferrari. And <laughs> what's that old uh, meme, the one with uh, Ron Burke? Boy, that escalated quickly, but uh, good for good for Charles, who incidentally is also uh, celebrating his 26th uh, birthday. So a big uh, weekend or a big week, uh, week and weekend, pardon me, for the Monegasque, Charles Leclerc. And uh, interesting uh, news here coming out of the McLaren camp today that Bianca Bustamante is joining the McLaren F1 driver development program. So that's pretty cool. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye and seeing what uh, Bianca is going to do. And uh, certainly says she's done uh, very well in the um, the F1 Driver Academy and uh, looking forward to see what uh, she can do with uh, you know the support of an actual Formula One team. Very, very cool. And also just to round out uh, some of these uh, little um, notable uh, tidbits from the news this week, it's Kimi Raikkonen, the Iceman himself, is celebrating his 44th birthday. And again, I think to myself, where did time go? Anyways, going to jump into the news here now and bearing in mind that uh, the world is a pretty scary, nasty place at the moment and uh, don't want to uh, you know brush over that fact, uh, you know, especially when there are so many horrible things going on and uh, 
almost anywhere you can think of that uh, we're not glossing over that fact myself and Mark we talk about these things all the time but I think we all need a little bit of a break from all that the, the heavy news that seems to be surrounding us at 24/7 and uh certainly we we like like I said don't want to downplay or ignore any of that but uh Let's just, uh, for our own mental health and uh, and all the stress and anxiety that we're all feeling for, you know, and from, from many different uh, directions that, uh, that, that Formula One is here and it's a, a chance just to, you know, blow off a little bit of steam and, uh, and, and, and enjoy something else when everything else seems very, very dark at the moment. Anyways, so some good news here. First of all, uh, going into the first piece of the news for, for the week. So Keanu Reeves' Formula One documentary is going to get a release date, or it does have a release date, and it's called, um, it is Braun, The Impossible Formula One Story, and it's a four-part uh, series, and uh, th- this tells the wonderful, amazing story of uh, Braun uh, F1's, or sorry, Braun G piece uh season back in 2019 and that's going to be streaming on disney plus and uh, in the uk and then in hulu in the u.s so this is very very cool it's going to be uh, premiering globally on november 15th so just uh, under a month away so keanu is uh, joined by a lot of uh, of the key players from that uh, as he uh, narrates an account of braun and jensen button's 2009 uh, title winning season interviews include jensen button and also then his teammate rubens barrichello Braun GP CEO Nick Fry. It also features uh, Ross Braun, the owner and team principal of the, the the team at the time, which eventually became uh, Mercedes. Christian Horner and uh, and and the list uh, goes on. So this is very very cool and uh, really looking forward to, to watching that uh, drop in just uh, a couple of weeks uh, from now. So let, let's uh, move on over to Red Bull. Of course, uh, they always seem to take up a lot of real estate on the, this news. So there there seems to be some quarrels and then some rest inside the team and uh, it's always kind of interesting when you hear things like this stories like that it makes you wonder how long can they keep uh, this all together but uh, Christian Horner himself has uh, basically uh, dismissed all these um, these rumors and the speculation that uh, he is trying to push uh, Helmut Marco out of Red Bull and uh, that uh, you know really downplay the fact uh, or not the fact I should say but uh, speculation that there's a an internal power struggle at uh, Red Bull so this is a story that uh, that, that was kind of uh, bubbling up uh, in the Brazilian uh, uh, media by uh, former Formula One driver uh, Luciano Berti that uh, that the summit was going to be held at the, the U.S. Grand Prix this week where Helmut Marco's uh, future would uh, be uh, discussed. So I don't know, very interesting uh, to, to, to hear, but... I don't know. I mean, um, Helmut Marco in you know this year and in recent times seems to make the the, uh, the news for the wrong reason. So could that be part of uh, you know a potential power struggle? Is it something else? But uh, everybody seems to be um, uh, you know keeping mum on the fact. But it's interesting to to note that uh, Helmut Marco is not actually a direct employee of Red Bull Racing, and uh, therefore Christian Horner has uh, Christian Horner, pardon me, has no control over uh, Red Bull. Uh, the or his advisor, who uh, actually reports to Oliver Minslaff uh, following the death of uh, Marco's uh, friend and uh, the the founder of uh, Red Bull, Dietrich Mateschitz, uh, about this time uh, last year. So uh, Horner, Christian Horner, that is, and uh, Helmut Marco, have, they have a long, long relationship going back uh, to, um, to, to uh, Horner's career himself as a, a, a race driver. And when he was uh, taking uh, you know his first step into uh, managing a Formula One team, so it, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I never really understand uh, when these things, uh, you know, go. But anyways, uh, Christian Horner explained uh, to the Daily Mail uh, what's going on. And he said, quote, we've always enjoyed a very strong and open relationship. And of course, there are things that we disagree on now and again, but I think that's healthy. We speak very regularly about all aspects. For Helmut, it's slightly different to how I used to be since the passing of his friend and colleague Dietrich Mateschitz, but he is still a very valuable role that he plays within the team, and there is absolutely no intent or desire for me or with uh, or anyone within the team, pardon me, to see that change. For as long as he wants to continue, he's still a very sprightly 80-year-old. I don't see any change in the way that we work. Roles evolve and the business has evolved so much since we first came into the sport. Operationally, I run this on a day-to-day basis and for any significant decisions, of course, we confer whether it be drivers or strategic calls. It's a partnership that has worked for many, many years. Everybody has their role and a function to play, end quote. So read into that that, uh, what what you will. I mean, (laughs) he kind of 
downplays it uh, a, a little bit, but uh, I, I would say Christian is kind of playing the gray area there uh, a, a little bit. But uh, make that uh, of uh, make that uh, what you will, and uh, whether or not uh, there's uh, any discontent or maybe not, we will uh, have to wait and see. So this is an interesting thing here, where uh, that uh, that Mark pulled off the other Mark that is Hammy pulled off of Reddit, one of his favorite places to go and dig for little nuggets, and um, it's it's interesting. There's a an ORF digital interview uh, about the, the the rumors that have been going around on his future, the power struggle between him speculatively and Christian Horner and some of the rumors on um, Sergio Perez and Yuki uh, Sonoda. Anyways, um, I'll, I'll just read the screenshot that uh, that, that Mark has here. So, um, uh, Helmet Marco, this is obviously sounds like a, uh, it was an audio interview. So, um, there, there's uh, Austria is the one party says, Mr. Marco, how are you? Helmet Marco says, good. Contrary to many assumptions, uh, I have to disappoint uh, the, uh, as they say, doomsayers. And then uh, it goes on. How do you explain that the many rumors about your future that are currently circulating online? Helmet uh, responds, no idea. So <laughs> kind of cheeky the way that uh, that, that he says it, but uh, kind of uh, shoots it down uh, right away. Anyways, uh, it goes on. The next question uh, says, apparently there's a summit this week that will discuss your future. When and where should it take place? To which Marco replies, there's no summit this week. I have a contract until the end of next year. When and how I stop, when it's over, I decide and not, for example, Mr. Horner. Next question. And what is the truth about the alleged power struggle between you and Red Bull team boss Christian Horner? To which Marco replies, due to the new constellation, uh, uh, everything is different. Certain people now trying to redefine their powers. Next question. Uh, Another point of contention is allegedly Yuki Tsunoda. He was to be replaced at Alpha Tauri. You were supposedly against it because it could uh, disrupt good relations with their Japanese engine supplier Honda. Is that correct? which Marco replies, quote, this is all just speculation, just like the one about Perez. There's no ultimatum for Perez. I think we're winning too much. Incredible things are being brought into the world. Max Verstappen's performance should be appreciated much, uh, much more. It's extraordinary. And the next and final question that uh, that Mark uh, picked here uh, asks, uh, Max is also demonstrably supports you in his interviews, to which Marco replies, On the one hand, that is very reassuring. There is still something like loyalty and appreciation. Since our first conversation when Max was 15, there's been a special connection between us. Now I'm looking forward to Austin where we can hopefully celebrate his 50th Grand Prix victory on Sunday, end quote. So there you go. Uh, Again, uh, you know, being uh, too too, uh, divulging too much uh, information, I think it was uh, kind of interesting, kind of dodged that little bit, uh, that that one about uh, Yuki Tsunoda, you know, completely flipped it around and turned it into a little uh, conversation or an answer about uh, Sergio Perez and Max uh, Verstappen. So I don't know. We, we will wait and see. I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Marco thinks that uh, he will be able to walk away on his own terms when he wants to. He uh, obviously was uh, pretty clear in stating that uh, there is a contract at Red Bull until the end of next year. But, uh, you know, perhaps if there is a power struggle there, perhaps he doesn't even know that the Sword of Damocles is hanging above his head and uh, may be, uh, you know, <laughs> pushed out uh, without even uh, knowing. But again, this is Formula One. It's really fun to speculate about. And we can talk about this uh, for hours and hours and hours, the reasons for and the reasons against. And it is what it is at this point in its speculation. So we'll have to wait and see what happens and if anything else uh, bubbles up uh, to the top. Um so another thing about, uh, uh, pardon me, Jesus, it's been a very, very long day, I must admit. And uh, what with my trip last week, I'm struggling a little bit. It's not super late when Mark and I, uh, or as uh, I usually sit down with uh, with Mark to record the podcast, but this week has been a, a bit of a grind. So pardon me if I stumble a little bit in uh, in doing the show this week. Anyways, uh, the, the final story here about uh, Helmut Marko before I head into a break. He's been honored in Graz in, uh, in Austria for the, the work that he's done in Mertal and Graz region as well as in Formula One. He's been awarded the Gerhard Hirschman Prize for critical thinking. And so he's been honored in Graz, which is his hometown. The He was honored by the jury who awards the Hirschman Prize for, quote, his decades of work also behind the scenes with regard to the sporting, but also the economic development of Styria, end quote. So good for him. <clears throat> 
All right. Well, uh, just looking at the at the clock here, I think this is a, a good place to take a, a real, real quick uh, break. Come back on the flip side and dive into the news itself. Uh, it looks like uh, obviously some of the teams are talking and, and voicing some of their uh, displeasure at the fact that uh, it sounds like Andretti is uh, is a lock to join Formula One now that uh, they've had their bid approved by the by the FIA, and it sounds like the uh, the the established network is circling the wagons a, a little bit and uh, saying, well, I guess uh, more or less we would expect uh, them uh, to say. Anyways, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more in just a moment. So please hang in there. Don't go away. I will be back in just one moment. All right, welcome back to the podcast once again. Mark Daly here, flying solo on a Thursday night. Mark Hamilton is away for a couple of days after I was away for many days, and it's been many days and many weeks since we sat down and did a podcast uh, together. But uh, we will be reunited very, very soon. The band will be coming back together uh, before you know it. Uh, you know, it's like Simon without Garfunkel, Hall without Oates, whatever you want to call it. It's just me tonight, but uh, I'm endeavoring to do my my very, very best. I don't know where the Hall and Oates one came from, but uh, there it is. A nice uh, 80s reference, uh, if you like. Okay, the next story on the agenda here is uh, comes from uh, motorsport.com, and this is an article from D- Jonathan Noble uh, entitled uh, COVID Crisis, a warning over 11th F1 team approval, says Steiner. And the byline uh, goes, reads as follow Hasbos, Gunter Steiner thinks the crisis formula and face during the COVID-19 pandemics shows why it should not be or it should not risk destabilizing current teams by adding an 11th team. So it goes on uh, to say that uh, obviously that uh, that Andretti Motorsport is hoping to agree to a commercial deal with FOM to enter Formula 1 from 2025 at the very earliest after they were given the green light uh, to join Formula 1 uh, a couple of weeks ago by the FIA. Uh, there, there is no absolutely no guarantee that uh, Formula 1 management will actually approve uh, the Andretti's uh, bid, and uh, they have to, because they're going to be actually asking the questions. If we let this uh, team in, are they actually going to be able to get uh, a benefit by adding them uh, to the, the the grid? So a lot of the the, the teams already there have um, you know come out and spoken against it. Uh, they are not really in favor of Andretti because they feel that the commercial impact uh, could uh, really affect them by having to you know basically get smaller pieces of the pie. And by by, by the pie, I mean the prize money that all the teams uh, share and that would be uh, reduced um, because well there's going to be 11 teams uh, potentially rather than 10 anyway the Steiner has to say quote in the current situation we are stable but it's not like we are making hundreds of millions of uh, profits we are still trying to get uh, our budgets together to work on the budget cap and all that stuff I would like to go back to 2020 when I remember in sitting in these uh, video meetings when the pandemic hit and uh, four teams were questioning are we going to be here next year or not we were all struggling trying to keep alive and a lot of people and a lot of teen owners put their money in to stay alive and to make Formula One what it is now. I think there's value to that as well. Uh, I think uh, most of the teams are asking why would we dilute what we've got just to get somebody else when Formula One is booming? Because who knows what in three or four years what will happen and I go back, it's only in 2020 when we were struggling to stay alive as Formula Ones uh, because if four teams fall out then there are only six left and why would you make it weaker now? If something comes up again we need to be strong as we can be and the 10 teams which are here uh, which got through the tough hard times end quote so uh gunther steiner is not really backing down he's uh, been a, you know he's had a, a pretty you know long-term stance and opinion that uh, that andretti's entry into formula one should only get approved if there is what he calls tangible evidence and i'm doing the inverted air commas here tangible evidence that andretti's uh, arrival into formula one will bring benefit to the entire grid and he went, goes on to say quote there could be but there could uh, should would but if they can show they can bring something which we accept then that's fine FOM has to see it not me they've got the big picture it's not only about Haas that doesn't want to get them in general Formula One is not convinced that there is a need for, need for an 11th team uh, don't go down it's Andretti whoever it is Formula One at the moment is not convinced that 11th team is bringing added value 
keep it simple, end quote. And as I'm saying, <laughs> sitting here, I, I can literally hear Hammy screaming in my in my mind if he was here, if he was on the other side of the, the studio here, he would be yelling, but Gunther, what value are you doing bringing to Formula One? What value is Haas bringing to Formula One? You're not bringing any value to Formula One since you joined in 2016. I know that's what, what Mark would say right now. And uh, I, I don't disagree with that uh, with that point uh, at all. So it seems a little bit uh, kind of strange that uh, Gunther would say, I do agree, however, that, uh, that, that the teams did pull together. I know that there was money invested during the pandemic. I know that uh, they did a lot of work to make sure that they, they kept a stable environment to keep the sport safe, to keep all the teams afloat and all those things. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that, but I'm hoping now that, that, that we're living in this post-COVID world, this you know pandemic recovery, whatever you want to call it, that things are getting back uh, together. And obviously, I, I would hope when I say obviously that, uh, that the FIA has done their due diligence, that they've really looked into this Andretti bid, that uh, the, the partnership that they have uh, with GM, with, uh, with Cadillac is more than just window dressing, that there, there's something tangible there, that, uh, that, that they would bring something other than, uh, than name recognition. And obviously Andretti has been very, very successful in other motor series that they've uh, raced in. And, uh, the, but Formula One's the big one, Right, it's not Indy. It's not any of the other series where they've uh, where they've raced in the past. And no disrespect to, to any of those uh, motoring series, but I mean Formula One. Uh, I, I think that uh, everyone here that listens to this program on a regular basis would agree that Formula One is the big one. It is the the, the marquee, the elite class of motor racing on the planet. And uh, if you're somebody in the position like Michael and Mario Andretti, you have this amazing motorsport conglomerate behind you, where you've been successful everywhere, and they both uh, were obviously successful drivers, uh, both Michael and Mario Andretti, that uh, that this would be the ultimate challenge uh, to, to do. So you're not going to take that lightly. I mean, I, I know that um, maybe... You could say that uh, that that Michael's attempts to garner support within the paddock were maybe a little brusque, maybe a little bit uh, a little bit forward, but and you could see why he would uh, perhaps uh, um, ruffle some feathers within the establishment, if you want to call them that, or the established uh, Formula One uh, teams. But it does uh, seem a little bit funny that uh, that the team that has arguably not brought anything positive, or not too many positive things. I know that Gunther Steiner, as a personality himself, has uh, become a bit of of a rock star, a bit of a cult figure in in, in Formula One, but uh, the Haas themselves, I mean, they're not really a very exciting team to watch, and uh, you know that's that that's what it is. I mean, uh, you know, Kevin Magnussen has some of his mo- has moments from time to time, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not uh, completely I'm not completely for or against what uh, Gunther Stein uh, Steiner is saying, but uh, I do find it a little bit. Uh, a little bit interesting, the comments uh, that, uh, <laughs> that that he has. Anyways, this is also uh, very similar. The, the, this story's been going around. I mean, I, I look at uh, some of the different stories here. There's a, another one uh, written by Ben Anderson over at therace.com, uh, basically uh, going over the same things that uh, that I've just been talking about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, um, excuse me, that uh, Andretti uh, joining the grid. Anyways, uh, he had said um, to the therace.com, that is uh, Gunther Steiner, that is, it says, quote, the economic station we are stable. We are not making hundreds of millions of profits, which we saw again uh, in, in the previous uh, article. So it's really just uh, kind of getting uh, really uh, re- rehashed. So who knows? So we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I'd love to hear it. Send us a tweet uh, at Scooter F1 Pod. Do you think that uh, that Andretti will make it into the grid uh, potentially as early as 2025 or some sometime thereafter? Or is it uh, going to get through the approval uh, phase at the FIA only to be uh, shot down by by FOM and they won't be able to reach a commercial agreement? I don't know. I, I would like to say that uh, that it will get through, but I'm not entirely convinced. I think that. Uh, that that Formula One is a bit of a closed club at the moment, and uh, perhaps Andretti can do a one heck of a sales job to to convince them that uh, that they're going to be the people that they want to bring on board to, to be that, or to, to to join the club as it were, and really bring something special to Formula One. But um, I don't know. 
I could really see this Goa going either way as uh, as much as uh, I could say or see it uh, as uh, you know Formula One or FOM Formula One management and Andretti getting down uh, together and uh, sitting down together and uh, and working out a deal. I also see it going uh, the other way. So I will believe the news when I see it and uh, and not just uh, sit here and say yeah it's a lock because I think it's uh, anything but. But uh, it, it's very similar because uh, <laughs> not uh, Gunther Steiner but uh, Fred Vasseur the the, the team principal over at uh, at Ferrari he's basically said uh, the, the same thing so um, I'll just read the uh, the article here and this is um, this comes from pardon me from motorsportweek.com by uh, Taylor Powling and uh, the, the quote is here from uh, Fred Vasseur uh, he says quote it's not a secret that I'm not a big fan uh, that when we opened the door to an 11th team in the Concord agreement last time it was for a good reason that at this stage Honda said already that they would leave F1 and Renault was on edge. I mean, we only had Mercedes and Ferrari confirmed for the future. And we opened the door to 11th team in case they could bring some uh, something substantial to the uh, Formula 1. And I think at this stage, that was mainly the engine. As uh, James said before, and that's uh, James uh, Vowles, um, that uh, that uh, Fred Vesser is uh, referring to. Uh, as James said, before all the teams on the grid, they made a big effort. We have to keep in mind that three or four years ago, we had almost as half the grid quite close to, to bankruptcy. We have to avoid uh, to being arrogant at Formula 1. That is the life cycle. And uh, we don't know what uh, could happen before 2030. And I think that we would put F1 in a tough, tough situation uh, for this. Um, and then he goes on uh, to say, except that if the new entrant is bringing, bringing assets a massive added value to Formula One, and I didn't have access to the CEO of Andretti, but I think it's the first question. What is the added value for F1? We've already got a 10th team was American with Haas. We have an American driver on the grid. And the question for me is around this, what could be the value? End quote. So I don't know. Is he, is, is he, suggest, I think he's more than suggesting that he thinks that uh, the only value that, uh, that Andretti brings is that, uh, that they're an American team where well, we don't need an American, another American team because we already got one with Haas. We don't need them to bring American drivers because we already have an American driver in Logan Sargent. But I don't think that that Andretti necessarily is joining Formula One because they're an American team and they want to, you know, get American drivers on the track, which would be great. Don't get me wrong, but I think that uh, that their 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 intentions that. They want to be there because they think that they can do the job and that uh, they they can win in Formula One. I, I think it's as simple as that. I think that, you know, for the American fans, it's just uh, for, for them, it's a bonus that uh, they are a household name. The, the Andrettis are, are legends. They are a household name in North America. Everybody knows the name Andretti. If you know even a little bit about uh, motor racing, a lot of people know the, 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 the name uh, Mario Andretti, maybe a little bit to a lesser extent uh, his son Michael is a, as a race driver, but again, uh, the Andretti name very, very well uh, well known. Okay, so we're going to move on uh, to the, the the next story here. We'll talk about this one for a little bit before we go into the the, the next break. And uh, it seems funny. Some of the I, 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 as soon as I read the headline here from RaceFans.net, which says Steiner expects to have future debate over whether Red Bull should have two F one teams. And I, I, again, I can see Mark Hamilton's animated response to this. I can see the the shaking of fists and the pulling of hair and the excited voice. And, you know, this is uh, something that we've talked about on the podcast for probably as long as Mark and I have been doing the show together. And uh, it it just seems like such a a funny situation, right? I mean, why does Red Bull have two teams with Red Bull Racing and uh, Scuderia Alpha Tauri or, well, we used to be Toro Rosso, I guess they're not uh, Scuderia Alpha Tauri, just Alpha Tauri now. But uh, it's basically been that feeder team, you know, that that, uh, development team where they... um, they park drivers to mature, which is a bit uh, funny at the moment uh, because you have uh, Yuki Sonoda, who is what uh, third year now in Formula One, I guess. Uh, that's uh, another situation that you could say, boy, that escalated quickly. And then uh, Danny Ricardo, who uh, joined, rejoined uh, the, the the Red Bull family after the end of last year, was reserve driver, then got uh, promoted back to a race seat uh, halfway through the season after Nick de Vries was uh, was let go just uh, before the Dutch, uh, well, no, before the Dutch uh, Grand Prix. When was it now? Uh, 
back in the summer, either before Hungary or what? <laughs> it's, it's got uh, come and gone so quickly and I'm completely all out of sync. Anyways, the point is uh, not completely a, a driver development team, but optically it just uh, looks uh, very, very strange uh, to, to, to see it. Anyways, uh, Gunther Steiner, the, uh, the team principal of Haas, says that, uh, you know, that, that the fact that they do have two teams on the grid might become a bone of contention as, uh, you know, you know, spaces on the grid grow. And this kind of uh, ties in nicely with the um, uh, with the the, the story we we're just talking about. Uh, you know, potentially Andretti entering Formula One if they can sort out a deal or come to an agreement with Formula One management. Any, uh, anyways, Gunther had to say, "quote I think right or not right, it needs to be discussed. Obviously, there are a lot of other sports where that is not allowed, but it is now up to uh, there is not an issue with this." Uh, and he goes on to say, quote, because the sport is becoming more and more popular, gaining more and more worth financially. So more and more of these things will come up because everything gets more difficult. So this will be for sure an argument which sooner or later will come up. And then uh, he does uh, finally uh, end up uh, the, his thoughts by saying, quote, it's been 18 years now, so it's worked fine up until now. But at some stage, there will be question asks and there will be answers why it works or why it shouldn't work. But it's not worth reacting on this one because it works for a long time end quotes all right moving on to the uh, the, the the next story here and this is another one uh, that uh, again i can completely see why mark uh, threw this into the uh, into the show i like i want a good guy what a, what a great partner to do the show with i've been busy with other things i get home from work this afternoon to get a message from hammy hey show outlines all ready to go i'm not going to be here but uh, here you go as uh, go anyways go and crush it have a great show on your own and uh, i'll be back on sunday so Again, this is why I can see the excited responses from from Mark Hamilton, even though that he's not here. So I'm going to do it in absentia, and, you know, to try and give my take of what I would expect to see if Mark was sitting across uh, from me right now. But this is another one that uh, he's talked about, or we've talked about uh, quite a bit uh, recently. We all know that uh, Mark uh, jokingly has put up his condo on the fictitious Lance Stroll Island up for sale, sale or thinking about it, because you know he's been uh, quite a supporter. We, well, we, well, we both have. Uh, to be quite honest, of Lance, but uh, you know he's uh, you know certainly struggled a lot uh, this year. Anyways, uh, this is uh, an article from uh, RaceFans.net, and uh, Lawrence uh, and the title is Lawrence Stroll says his son has suffered a lot of bad luck during 2023. So he had uh, nine retirements due to engine failures, according to to, to Lawrence. And um, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's it, it's tough, right? As 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 much as um, you know, Mark and I have kind of speculated and wondered if uh, things truly get horrible with um, you know the way that things are going for Lance. We we've always uh, thought, well, would Lawrence uh, be brave enough uh, to to actually pull the pin? We thought, well, you know, he's he's become this ultra rich uh, you know businessman an entrepreneur for all the stuff that he's done throughout his life, all the businesses and all the ventures that he's, uh, he's had. And that, uh, if, uh, you know, it came to it, there would be very little sentimentality, but I feel like that is, uh, that door's a little bit open. I think we can have that, dis- uh, you know, the debate, whether or not, uh, he would actually pull the plug and toss his own flesh and blood out of the team. I don't know. Anyways, uh, here's the quote from, uh, from, from Lawrence, uh, saying quote, Lance started the year on the back foot with two broken wrists for the first half dozen races, which was very challenging, but he did a really heroic job and he's had an unfortunate amount of bad luck. He's had nine retirements due to engine failures or a ring wing fail at Suzuka. Half of the races and it hasn't been anything to do with his own abilities. He has had just a lot of bad luck, sadly, end quote. So what do you think? I, I think that, uh, that, uh, that, that Lance will be back next year. I don't think that, uh, that his dad is going to fire him and kick him out of his, uh, his Formula One team. Anyways, uh, sticking with uh, Lawrence Stroll, uh, this is a story from SkySports.com entitled, We've Always Tried to Win Stroll's Aston Martin Ambition. Anyways, uh, it goes on to say, and this is an article from uh, Mark uh, Baisley, and uh, really quite uh, interesting just uh, talking about uh, what uh, Lawrence Stroll is doing and the amount of money that uh, he's put into it. It was 128 million pounds that uh, that Stroll invested in Aston Martin in 2020, and uh, became uh, also the executive chairman of the uh, British luxury sports car manufacturer and, um, 
wow, <laughs> it is a, uh, you know, what a name that, that is Aston Martin, a truly iconic mark that I think is uh, beloved uh, by many. And um, not only did he become the executive uh, director of the, the, the road car brand, but uh, the team that uh, used to be known uh, as Racing Point, which used to be Force India, uh, formerly, uh, former, formally, pardon me, that's a, a tough word tonight. Going to need some caffeine to power through the rest of the show at this, uh, this rate. Um, anyways, um, that used to be a force India as well. Anyways, um, we talk a little bit more about that. Uh, Stroll uh, told uh, Sky Sports the following quote, the stump company started on the racetrack 110 years ago. We won Le Mans in 1959 with our DBR1. We've won 19 times since with our various Vantages and the front engine sports cars. So tremendously excited to be back in the fight at Le Mans. Uh, we are definitely going to win like everything else we do. We've always tried to win, end quote. Uh, so it goes on on, uh, to talk a little bit more. So, um, Racing Points did have one victory at the um, at the Sahir Grand Prix in 2020. That was at Bahrain. You know, because the, the 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 track there, they have a couple of different uh, configurations. The configuration that we've uh, become uh, used to watching the, uh, the the Grand Prix there for many many years. But they do have an outer ring, which I think delivered what was it a sub one minute lap? It was kind of cool to watch, and uh, that was the one time they uh, they they did uh, they they did win a, a race as as uh, as racing point. So uh, when you go on to, to uh, see what um, uh, Lawrence Stroll wants to do, what his ambitions are, he's, he's pretty open about it and all the things he wants to do. And one of the things that uh, he goes, goes on to talk about in this interview with Sky Sports, he talks uh, quite a bit about uh, Fernando Alonso and has the following to say, quote, he's brought a tremendous amount. He's full of energy like he's 22 years old. He's very committed, extremely motivated, and obviously hugely talented and a fantastic ambassador for the brand. He's been as fantastic as a Formula One driver, so I'd say on and off the track, he's been a fantastic ambassador for Aston Martin, um, end quote. So then they go on to talk about what What's going to happen with uh, Fernando? Because at this point, uh, you know, he's uh, what, 42, 43 years old. His current contract expires at the end of 2024, which would be his 21st season completing in Formula One. And you have to remember he had a, a bit of a sabbatical, a bit of a hiatus uh, a couple of years ago before coming back. And, uh, you know, it, it's crazy to think that he's been in Formula One for that uh, at that long. So, you know, at the end of 2024, he'll only be, uh, he'll be 44 years old. But uh, Lawrence, is is not ruling anything out, uh, you know, when, when it comes to giving uh, Fernando another contract after this uh, current deal expires at the end of the next year. And he had the following to say, quote, anything is possible. Right now he has a contract to drive for us next year, and we're really looking forward to that, end quote. And finally, in the article, uh, Stroll goes on just to talk about the team itself and uh, talks a little bit about uh, what they've uh, accomplished and what they need need to do to to take that next uh, step. But he has uh, the, the following to say, quote, we've had seven podiums in 2023, so we're already uh, podium contenders. Last year's car was developed in our old factory of 33 years. Next year's car will be developed on our new campus and is quite a dramatic change to what we've already had. It's really bringing a state-of-the-art facility to the state-of-art uh, facility. And he goes on to talk about uh, you know where they are and where the rest of the, uh, the the Formula One paddock is, the you know the the other nine teams that aren't uh, Red Bull. And uh, he starts off talking about the success that uh, Red Bull has had in the last couple of years. And he says, quote, I'm jealous, very jealous. Obviously they've done a great job and they're enjoying what they've done, so hats off to them. The playing field is leveled by the budget cap, which isn't which wasn't the case a few years ago. I think we all just have to do a better job to beat them. And then Finally, uh, he closes out uh, the uh, the interview just uh, talking about the uh, the organization of the team and some of the things that they're doing. Uh, you know, such as uh, opening up a wind tunnel at uh, their new headquarters, which uh, they hope to bring online in September of 2024. And uh, he really feels that will be a big boost and a big uh, benefit to, to uh, designing and building uh, new cars in the in the future. But uh, what he really does, uh, you know, I point out quite nicely. He's talk about that the the fact that this whole 
program, this um, Aston Martin Formula One program, really comes down to the people that they have in the factory at Silverstone. He has the following to say, quote, it's a lot of hard work from the guys and gals. We are, we're a team of 750 to 800 people here in Silverstone. So it's really having the right leadership, vision and plan and working really hard, end quote. And I think it's uh, probably pretty obvious uh, to state that uh, that their goal is to win races and world championships. And, uh, well, they, they haven't done that quite yet, but certainly, especially in the first half of this year, it was great to see uh, all the, the, the podiums and all the results that they had. So definitely a team to watch for the future. Anyways, uh, time for another quick break. Come back on the flip side. Still plenty of news to, to talk about and go over uh, before we head into looking at the, uh, the the race this weekend at the Circuit of Americas in Austin, Texas. Always a, a great race. Always a, a great uh, turnout by the Formula One fans there in the great state of Texas. We'll talk about that in a moment. So don't go away. We will be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. And the next story is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Again, we stay within the Red Bull uh, orbit. This is another article from uh, motorsportweek.com from Taylor Powding, Powling, pardon me, uh, entitled uh, Sunoda Opens Up on Aston Martin, Honda F1 Switch Rumors. And uh, this is an interesting one, right? I mean, as, uh, as, as long as Sergio Perez struggles, regardless if, uh, you know, he's winning races or not, uh, I mean, he's certainly made the, uh, the, the headlines quite a few times uh, this year for all the, the, the wrong reasons. Anyways, in, in an interview, Yuki was uh, asked a number of questions. And uh, first of all, he was asked in Qatar last week if uh, he uh, thought that he might be an option for a Red Bull seat, uh, should it become available? Obviously, if uh, you know, it'd be Sergio, not Max, leading, leaving. Uh, Sunoda had the following say, quote, I hope so, to be honest. Obviously, the main thing is I don't want Red Bull to misunderstand something like, for example, that I'm just focusing now on Aston Martin or anything like that. I'm at AlphaTauri and I've been at Red Bull since I was 18 years old. So now I am focusing on to perform for Red Bull, not for Aston Martin. Ho- hopefully, they don't have uh, misunderstood those things and hopefully they really consider my future seriously. If I perform well as a driver, hopefully they consider me more. Uh, and obviously, if I didn't, understand. But if I'm able to show my performance, I would like to have a bit more kind of a rotation. And then uh, Sunoda goes on uh, more to talk about uh, uh, perhaps uh, Honda tying up a deal with Aston Martin and uh, whether that uh, you know could uh, hurt his chance to stay with Red Bull or whatever the case may be. Because uh, he's got some, uh, you know, he wants to try and get away from the links that he has with Honda, obviously Japanese uh, driver and a Japanese uh, engine manufacturer. Um, you know, there, there are you know, some things going on there. It was uh, Yuki, uh, when he was asked about, uh, you know, a potential uh, partnership between Aston Martin and Honda, he said, uh, quote, if that's the case, I'm not happy with it. I don't know how the conversations are going with Honda and Red Bull because Honda is still supplying the engine. But I think from the Honda side, uh, what they're saying is that as long as I can succeed, as long as a, a Japanese driver can one day achieve success, they don't care where I go. They want a Japanese driver to be successful. Obviously, I would be lucky if we worked together and achieve success, but in the end, they don't care about it. And that's uh, what it. Uh, I really like about Honda. They don't care which team you are at, so I don't think they're really focusing on Aston Martin or whatever. They're just uh, focusing, focusing as a driver on Yuki Tsunoda and uh, the support to make me a successful driver. End quote. All right, uh, next story coming back to Red Bull. And uh, this is a, a story from Motorsport, or, pardon me, not Motorsport Week, but speedcafe.com, written by Ian Parks, entitled Has Confirmed Switch to Red Bull Concept. And uh, well, you know, <laughs> why trigger, uh, figure it out on your own uh, when you have a team that's been su- as successful as uh, as, as uh, Red Bull and try and mimic and copy what uh, they're doing? So, uh, Gunther Steiner's actually confirmed the Has has switched to a Red Bull style aerodynamic. Uh, package or concept after realizing that they could make no no more progress or gains so with the car in the uh, 
the, 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 the aerodynamic package that they had uh, previously. Uh, anyways, um, Gunther Steyer had the following to say, quote, the upgrade on the VF23 is aerodynamic. We changed the concept of the car because what we started with because of the new regulations last year, we couldn't make any more gains performance-wise. Creating more downforce and less drag, it just wasn't there anymore, so we needed to change the concept to which is commonly known as the Red Bull concept or the downwash concept. Uh, it is a substantial update, and we were able to do this within the cost cap uh, because we didn't have any updates at the beginning of the season because, again, going back, we couldn't find any performance that we could make parts uh, to put on the car, uh, end quote. So uh, Kevin Magnuson and uh, Nico Hulkenberg are uh, the, the two drivers. They're really hoping that they're going to see some big improvements. And um, according to Kevin Magnuson, at least, uh, that uh, <laughs> if they get the upgrades, it might uh, help him get out, break out of the funk that he's been uh, stuck in. And uh, the one thing he's really can, uh, been uh, complaining about is a uh, tire deg uh, when he's been, uh, you know, a substantial or high tire deg when uh, stuck in uh, traffic. So when um, he was asked about it, uh, Magnuson added uh, to the conversation by saying, quote, there's actually a second element uh, to bringing this upgrade, which is uh, to research for next year. We're all secretly hoping it performs better than what we currently have. But uh, actually, the bigger target with this is the research and uh, learning what uh, we can do uh, for next year's car. It's been clear that in very specific circumstances, our car can perform, but it's too narrow a window and we need to broaden it to make it more user-friendly and compliant with a very uh, bigger variety of tracks and conditions. Hopefully, we'll be easier and we'll, we'll be able to follow easier and be more friendly to tires, end quote. So there you go. And again, uh, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, if, uh, if somebody's doing something right, everybody eventually uh, jumps uh, all over it. Okay, going to jump on over to another story here. This one comes to us uh, from uh, uh, Formula1.com, F1.com, and uh, entitled James Voles admits Williams counting down of the days until arrival of Chief Technical Officer Pat Fry. So they have not had a Chief Technical Officer since uh, 2019. That was uh, the post that was held by uh, Patty Lowe, who was uh, before then formerly of uh, Mercedes. He left uh, four years ago. They also parted ways with their technical director, FX uh, de Maison. Uh, at the end of last year, along with uh, team principal Yost Capito. But in Je- July of this year, uh, they announced that Pat Fry would be uh, joining uh, Williams as uh, chief uh, technical officer uh, you know, from the Alpine team. And uh, he's been there since February 2022. And uh, he's going to be starting with Williams on uh, November uh, 1st. Um, anyways, uh, James Voles was asked about, uh, you know, if they were counting down to, uh, you know, the, the number of days until uh, Pat Fry joins the team and Voles responded, quote, definitely counting down the days as much as I've tried my best. I need someone who's far better than me in that role. We brought together a really good uh, group of individuals at Williams and we are working together. In part, I have sadness because I have to start letting go of the, that side of things. With 2024, though, the die is pretty much set in that direction of travel. Uh, the chassis will be already by the time he comes through the door, uh, be the most of the way produced. It, is, it has to be. Uh, that's what the timelines are for these things, which means you have to define some of the big elements to these things. The aero package, again, will be most of the way through uh, development, even though it's going to be for next year. But the impact, as I've said all along, I'm not interested in the short term. I'm interested in the long term. So he will already in the 2024 season have a positive effect, but that real effect will kick in in 25, 26 and in 2027. Uh, end quote. So, uh, so Voles has uh, not been to Williams all that long. He was uh, brought in uh, last winter after Yoscapito was uh, let go uh, when he was asked uh, in an interview about his own uh, journey as uh, the team principal of Williams uh, since the beginning of this year. He replied, quote, you don't realize until questions like this come up where you think it's uh, nearly a year. Uh, good, I would say. It's a role, obviously, I had a lot to learn and I still have a lot to learn and I would be disappointed if you asked me a question and I say I haven't learned uh, something new this week. Uh, but I think it doesn't take uh, much looking from the outside to realize we are in a good direction of travel. The team has very much embraced me. I feel at home there. I felt at home there just after a few months, which is uh, to name the extraordinary to go to a completely new environment after 20 years elsewhere. But yet it feels like home is a strong indication of how Williams is as an organization. What I'm more excited by as I keep going into the long term, but it's not the last nine months. I'm really excited by a couple of years from now when it uh, properly kicks 
kicks into gear, end quote. So there you go. Uh, another interesting uh, little uh, tidbit here. This is going to be one for the uh, the NFL fans, which, uh, you know, I count myself as. And uh, this is a story from sportsbusinessjournal.com and uh, from the finance section entitled Mahomes, Kelsey, Invest in Alpine F1 Team with Otro. And uh, so there you go. Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey have invested some of their big NFL bucks into Alpine F1. I'll uh, just read a couple of uh, you know lines out of this one here. Uh, Otro Capital, part of the consortium that bought a quarter of the BWT Alpine F1 team this summer, has brought on board several A-list stars to be part of their ownership group, including Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes and tight end Travis Kelsey. The new investors are involved, uh, will be av- announced officially later this morning, and follows the $218 million, 24% investment into Alpine by Otro, Jerry Cardinal's Redbird Catapult Puck. Capital, pardon me, partners and actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney in June. Uh, that agreement valued the French car manufacturer's F1 team at $900 million. On top of the Chiefs players, other investors joining the group will be PGA Tour player Rory McIlroy, British boxer Anthony Joshua, English soccer player Trent Alexander Arnold, Spanish soccer player Juan Mata. Another investor unveiled today is Roger Ehrenberg, uh, the business executive who also owns stakes in the the Marlins, Real Salt Lake, and Leeds United. Otro says that the athletes will drive awareness to the team and help its efforts to improve the team in areas like media, sponsorship, licensing, and hospitality. Current sponsors include the title sponsor, Austrian water company BWT, plus uh, Binance, Microsoft, Xbox, Castrol, Qatar Airways, Kappa, and Sprinkler. So there you go. Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey getting into the Formula One game. Um, as we head into uh, the, the end of the show here, uh, before we do that, uh, do have a bit of a, a race preview, but uh, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri feel that the the 79 point gap to Ferrari and the constructors uh, championship is uh, is doable seems like a, a big ask anyways uh, <laughs> when it's uh, you know when they're asked about it, uh, it it's quite interesting right uh, so um, <laughs> I don't know 79 points uh, seems uh, very very uh, difficult to, to overcome but I loved uh, the attitude um, Lando Norris uh, said in uh, our, you know in an interview with uh, formula1.com quote it's doable i think so a couple of races ago it was 70 something points to aston i think we're doing a good job not just in terms of pace but we've had a 1.8 second pit stop which is pretty impressive from the guys they've been working extremely hard so reward to so to reward the whole team consistently is only more motivating and a bigger boost uh, every weekend they like the taste of success it's the first time they're getting it consistently and i think that only uh, makes them want it more and more and more every weekend that we're doing so these guys are doing a great job i think as drivers were both doing a decent job uh, too so we'll keep it up end quote so anyways uh, <laughs> I don't know 79 points with a handful of races uh, to go seems like a, a big task but uh, you never never know anyways as as we get into the race itself you know there's there's not th- there, there's nothing to play for in terms of the championships. Uh, obviously, there are some of these uh, interesting uh, little threads. Uh, you know, when it comes to drivers, you know, will, will Perez kind of clean up his act? Will uh, you know Aston Martin be overtaken by McLaren and the constructors? Will McLaren not only just pass them but uh, overtake Ferrari by the end of the year? Those are some kind of fun things, and uh, you know, not what we all signed up for, not what we all hoped for when uh, we we sat down to watch uh, the, this season unfold, and it uh, became another dominant. Into season by Red Bull and they just seem to be uh, beating everybody and it seems as though that uh, nobody can catch them at the moment but there's still some uh, fun things uh, going out there to, to watch in the constructors and the other drivers in the uh, in the drivers championship some of these things at the end of the year so there is something uh, definitely worth uh, you know worth uh, checking out anyway Circuit of the Americas I love this track you know it's uh, just outside of Austin Texas it is um it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's been around now. Let me see the Circuit of the Americas. I should just uh, pull this up here. So it's been uh, been around since um, well the first. It was opened on October twenty first, twenty twelve. There you go. So ten years ago, another uh, Herman Tilke and uh, projects. So that's uh, a lot of the modern Formula One uh, tracks have been uh, designed by by Tilke and his company. So. 
but this is not the, the the first time that we've had a race in the USA. There's been 51 previous Grand Prix going back as early as 1908 uh, when it comes to winning as drivers at the US uh, Grand Prix. And obviously it's been a coda for quite some time. It's been other places at, uh, at, at different times. It was uh, Lewis Hamilton is uh, six wins at uh, the US Grand Prix uh, the first time in 2007, most recently in 2017. So Lewis definitely overdue for a win in the USA. I mean, that's uh, been a long, long time. Michael Schumacher, uh, the legendary uh, German drivers, had five wins. And then uh, drivers with three wins include uh, Graham Hill and Jim Clark, who uh, dominated the, uh, the the U.S. Grand Prix, winning uh, three races a pair uh, from the years 1962 to 1967. And uh, Ferrari is the most winningest uh, constructor, having uh, won uh, 10 races at uh, the U.S. Grand Prix, first time in 1975, most recently in 2018 when it was won by uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Lotus and McLaren have uh, eight wins each. McLaren uh, won there most recently in 2012. Mercedes uh, have six wins, uh, first time in 1910. Before that was an officially sanctioned, uh, predates uh, Formula One. Anyways, they uh, won five races between 2014 and 2019. Uh, some other notable teams that have won three races include uh, Fiat, BRM, Red Bull, and then uh, a couple of teams that have a pair of wins each are Peugeot, who won uh, the US Grand Prix way back in 1915 and 16, and Tyrrell, who won in 1971 and 72. Anyways, uh, this is uh, is a track that I like uh, a lot. You know, it's, it's very tight and compact compared to some of the other tracks that we've seen. I mean, they raced at Watkins Glen from 61 to 70 when just mentioned that uh, Jim Clark and uh, and Graham Hill won uh, six races between the two of them. Uh, then we've seen Phoenix in uh, eight, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. And then, uh, you know, we had about a half dozen of uh, races or so at, uh, at Indianapolis, uh, which had part of the uh, the oval and then uh, this sort of makeshift uh, kind of infield uh, track that they had there. And that was uh, from 2000 to 2007, had uh, a bit of a hiatus until they uh, got to Dakota in 2012. But, uh, you know, it's a cool track. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot going on there. You know, you go from start, finish, you kind of have this uh, Superman effect where they go, uh, you know, very fast and furious out of the start, finish and uh, swoop uh, up to the, the, the first corner, which is 120. 20 degree left-hander. It's an 85 kilometer hour uh, corner, which is uh, taken in second gear. Uh, then you go into this, uh, you know, turn two, which is a right-hander, 235 kilometers an hour, just, uh, you know, a little ways from turn one. Then you go into these uh, series of corners, turns three to six. And it's very cool because, you know, they they hit turn three at 275K, seventh gear. And as they go back through these uh, series of left and right-handers, by the time they get out of that complex of corners at turn Turn three, they've shed, uh, you know, about 45K, about, uh, what would that be, about 20-something miles uh, per hour. Go into it at uh, 275, at seventh gear. They come out of it at 230 and sixth gear. And then uh, you go through another couple of uh, tight, twisty corners, and then they bring it down to another very sharp left-hander, another 120-degree uh, corner at turn 11. Uh, they take that in second gear down another straightaway, which is another uh, speed trap, into another very sharp uh, left-hander hander again at turn 12 and then uh, they wrap it around a couple more times and eventually bring it out at uh, turn 20 which is a second gear corner taken at 95 kilometers an hour there's 11 corners to the left nine to the right and uh certainly a, a very exciting uh, track i i enjoy watching uh, races uh, there uh some of the stats that we have for the the the, the, the track itself uh, pardon me is a uh, 5.1 Pardon me, I'll get this right. Third time around, 5.513 kilometers or 3.426 miles. Race length is 308.45 kilometers or 191.634 miles. 56 laps. Last year, we had uh, Carlos Sainz from Ferrari on pole. The podium was uh, Max Verstappen winning. Lewis Hamilton was second. Charles Leclerc was third. The fastest lap was set uh, last year at a 138.788 uh, by George Russell. And uh, just looking at uh, Pirelli's information here, they are going to bring their C2, C3, and C4 tires. Uh, C2 being the hardest compound, C4 being the softest. So about the mid-range of uh, 
their 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 tires. Uh, again, 56 laps. The track records or the lap record there is 136.169, and that was uh, set by Charles Leclerc way back in uh, in 2019. So, what are we going to see this weekend? Again, like I say, nothing is uh, really there to, uh, to 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 play for for the big uh, big prizes. Other things going on in the in, in the drivers' championship. Uh, can Lewis Hamilton catch and surpass Sergio Perez before the end of the year? Can McLaren pass Aston Martin? Can they uh, do that and then also catch up to and pass um, uh, Ferrari? All uh, you know, waits uh, to, to be seen. But with only a, a you know a handful of races left, anything uh, you know, there's still some things up to to well, for grabs. But you know, Max just keeps winning. Sergio still seems to, to be stumbling around so take your pick you know uh, it could be Max probably most likely will be Max but he doesn't really have to race for anything anymore but I don't think Max has any other setting than go out there and drive fast and when Max uh, drives fast he, he usually wins uh, races and I expect him to do the same uh, this weekend uh, notwithstanding anyways I'm getting tired now it's been a lot of talking without a break uh, this evening I'm going to wrap it up there Thank you all for listening to the show tonight. Thank you for bearing with me on my own. Thank you for bearing uh, with Mark Hamilton, mostly on his own, uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, during my uh, my uh, my absence. And again, a big shout out to him and the guests that have come in, uh, onto the show uh, during my time away. But uh, glad to be back. Glad to do the show. Looking forward to seeing Mark again on Saturday night, talking about the U.S. Grand Prix at uh, Coda. Oh, one final thing I should have mentioned. I did have the weather forecast, as you would expect. Uh, should be nice weather in uh, in Texas looking uh, Saturday afternoon for qualifying. 34 degrees Celsius as a high, 19 degrees Celsius uh, as a low overnight, which uh, translates to, to 94 degrees Fahrenheit as a high, 66 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for a low. Sunday, again, it's going to be sunny, 32 degrees Celsius as a high, 19 degrees Celsius as a low, which translates to about 89 Fahrenheit uh, of a high and a low of 66 uh, degrees for a low overnight as well. So it looks like uh, we should have uh, a good race there. We have seen some torrential rain there in the past, uh, but looks like it should be a, a nice day to go racing at the Circuit of Americas in Austin, Texas. Jealous of all of those uh, of you who listen to the show that are going there this weekend. And uh, certainly we will be living vicariously through you, but, you know, still sitting at home in the comfort of our own homes uh, watching the race. But yeah, still not the same as being there. Anyways, if you want to get in touch, send us an email, uh, scooterf1pod at gmail.com or tweet us on Twitter. Not sure what we're going to do with our socials, but uh, Mark and I have been discussing some things, uh, so stay tuned for that. Anyways, uh, you can tweet at us for now at scooterf1pod. And uh, that's it, guys. Thank you for, for joining in. Uh, we'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the race. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.